Minus three is presented for the people by Caesar Sportsbook, the greatest sports betting app of all time. Download it. Must be 21 or older. Minus three with Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, sports fans. Welcome to the brand new episode of Minus Three presented as ever by Omaha. Got some sad news for you. We only have three football games left, and one of them is that big corporate event played in Las Vegas and inhabited two-thirds by the corporate types, the guys who show up in a suit and tie, but then to look like a regular person, they buy a T-shirt that says Super Bowl 58 on it, and it's got the, the two helmets of the teams playing. Then they pull that over their shirt and tie, and then they mix right in. No one would ever know that they're just corporate mooks. Anyhow... The title games stand between that between us and that event. Let's chop it up. Let's try to make sense of what we just saw in that divisional round. Couple real good games, all compelling results. I notice a lot of people are trying to be empathetic right now, and it's not sincere empathy. It's faux social media based empathy directed at poor Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. I feel very bad for the Bills. I feel bad for Bass missing that kick. Um, But we don't need to insulate Josh Allen or anyone else with the Bills from the reality that is QB wins matter in the biggest spots and you just so happen to run into the buzzsaw named Patrick Mahomes. Let's chop that up. Let's chop up the NFC side. Let's see who we think may survive to get to Vegas with our guy from Sports Illustrated, Matt Verderam. How are you, pal? You got a big thing, by the way. You and me connect. We love our pro football history, and you've got a banner concept that you've been working on for really the last few months, and it's about to be revealed to the world at large. How are you? Congratulations on your KC Chiefs, and can't wait to read the uh, the big piece that you've got coming up. It's put together not just by you, but with, uh, with myself and a bunch of other people who love pro football history as much as you do. Talk about that, and uh, and how are you, fellow? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Uh, yeah, so that project is coming out. It's going to hit newsstands this week. It's going to be the magazine. It's 16 pages. It's one of the biggest spreads in the history of the company. Um, and it is uh, also going to be online starting next Monday, the 29th. And it's going to be 10 teams per day. And what the piece is, is the 50 most influential teams in NFL history. And you and I are part of a panel. Of, I think it ended up being 31 people. Um, including, you know, many, many people who vote on the Hall of Fame. I mean, Bill Polian's part of this. Uh, there are, you know, Peter King, Albert Breer, on down the line. I mean, people who are incredibly accomplished and then me. How the hell did I get um, in on this list? I'm flattered, I believe know, I, me. I, I love I, it. I, I, so no, I, I know. I, we, nobody knows. Um, There's still it, time to cut my, my words out. There's no obligation right. to run but it. Everybody, so. everybody voted one through 50, tabulated it all up. Um, and it was, it was a lot of fun. And then on top of that, not only did I write about each of these teams and we had each of the panelists write a, a blurb or two, uh, explaining their reasonings to why these teams were so important. We went out and for every team in the Super Bowl era and a few before it, if they're all living members, we talked to players. I talked to players from every single one of them or coach. And so we're, I mean, in this thing is Bill Parcells talking about his Giants. Phil Simms talking about the Giants. Mean Joe Green, Mel Blunt, Rocky Blyer, uh, Bobby Bell, Dan Fouts, Thurman Thomas, uh, Dick Vermeil, Brian Billick, uh, 
Ty Law, I mean, on and on. I think there's I think there's almost 20 Hall of Famers. Jim Plunkett's in there, Matt Millen, uh, Roger Craig, uh, I mean, Randy Cross. It goes on. And it, Jerry Kramer. It was um, it was What's awesome. Fun? I have to admit, Joe Namath, who was awesome to speak with. I mean, Larry Zonka. It was a pleasure to put together, to write. It's over 25,000 words. And uh, I hope people will check it out, both in the magazine and certainly online, again, uh, as a five-part series starting next week. Most influential teams. I can't wait to to dig in, even though I know where some of it at least is going. But uh, congratulations in advance. I know it's a gargantuan project, but a super fun one for sports nerds like you and me to work on. It was fun. It was fun. I'm, I'm grateful to you and everybody else on the panel who put in the work and did it and um, didn't have to. It made it it made it a lot of fun. And I think it really added weight to it uh, to have such a panel and to then talk to all these teams. And it's funny, like talking to the players, you know, from these teams, they're still so competitive that like, where are we on the list? Oh, you're 12th. Oh, we should be 12th. We should be that. You know, and I, and, you know, I, it was funny. Like Larry Zonka was so into it. Like he was, he wouldn't allow me to get off the phone. He kept like, well, what about this? Where's this team? Where's that team? Why were they ranked? I mean, it was, it was fun. It was really, really fun. So I am very excited for it to come out. Well, these are the sorts of debates that, uh, you know, that's why we we, we we are feel lucky to get to talking to a microphone or write or whatever else. I know you, you share that. Tough times, though. At Sports Illustrated, I hope we'll have time uh, at the back end here to to just sort of check in with you on where everything stands there. Obviously, the iconic brand in terms of sports media, I guess, um, for giant swaths of the last century. Um, I, I know anecdotally as a as a kid when I was growing up, there was just nothing better. I know everybody has said this, but add my voice to it. Go into that mailbox on your way home from school on Wednesday or Thursday and find in that Sports Illustrated. The the extra gift was when it was one of your guys or one of your teams on the cover. What a thrill that was at the time. But I do want to want to hear what's going on there. But let's talk about pro football here and now. And I do think that um it's relevant to talk about the the impactful teams because, like I say, I know that we don't want to make it as severe as what it is, but the stakes are everything. If you're a NFL QB, maybe not an NFL team, I do think you need the context of overall roster and um, I, I talk all the time about journey over destination as a, as a football fan, you know, every year can't end with a Lombardi or else you're going to live an awfully sad life unless you've been a Patriots fan for the last 20 years. Or I guess if you're like Verderam and rooting for the chiefs, these are the glory days. But for the most part, you'd be awfully down in the dumps as an NFL football fan. If you're going to be devastated when your team doesn't win the Lombardi at the end of every football season. But I do think for the quarterbacks in the quarterback league, we try and talk our way around it and we try to apply context and everything else, but the jury is in, at least as far as I'm concerned and Lombardi's concerned. The only thing that matters is winning the big games in the big spots, not the larger sample size available in the regular season and otherwise. So let's start there. Do you buy that QB wins are, I mean, where do you, where do you stand on QB wins? I think they're everything. I mean, I, for me, really, if you're a quarterback in the NFL, all that matters. I'll say you. I I think in the regular season, 
you know, there's such a large sample size of like things can go wrong. Guys are hurt, this, that, and the other. You're trying to work in new players. But in the playoffs, yeah, you're damn right. That's all that matters. Did you win the game? I don't, I don't care what, you know, what, what, oh, well, you threw for 300 yards in that game. Okay. Well, yeah, that's nice. Did you win? Look, the Josh Allen thing to me is especially frustrating because people act as though Allen played some gallant game on Sunday night and it just, you know, everything conspired against him. Do you know how many yards per attempt he threw for in that game? I don't. And that's, I can't wait to hear this number given that he threw a couple of 60 plus yarders in the fourth quarter out of a sense of des- desperation and or heroism. How much was it? He threw for 4.8 yards per attempt in that football. Ooh, wow. Who cares? Who cares? I mean, his QBR was 65.4. If you care about that, Mahomes was 91.2. And he threw for 9.3 yards per attempt. Like, yes, Allen ran the ball. He was successful running the ball. That's great. They scored 24 points. And in the fourth quarter of that game, they had three separate drives. If you go down and score a touchdown, you take a lead. They went three and out, three and out, missed a field goal. I don't care. I, I, and by the way, I don't want to hear that, like, well, you know, Diggs dropped the pass. Well, that's football. Like, occasionally you got to overcome something. Mahomes is, the, the receivers in Kansas City have dropped every pass on demand all year long. I mean, he's basically played with Rasheed Rice. And a bunch of guys were electricians at receiver this year. Hmm. And they're in the AFC title game. Like, I don't want to – and, yes, the Bills were beat up. But the Bills' defense gave them three cracks in the fourth quarter to win that game. At home. Couldn't do it. Couldn't do it. Like, to me, the Bills have gone to the playoffs each of the last five years. The first year I'll put aside because they were kind of young and it was it was their first time. Fine. The last four years, they've gone to the divisional round each of those years, one time advancing past it. They have lost three times to Patrick Mahomes and one time to Joe Burrow. Why would you run this thing back and think something's going to be different next year? What's going to be different about it? You well, can't beat them. I, you I know you're them. saying that rhetorically or asking it rhetorically, but I don't know what wiggle room they have given that Josh Allen's heavy contract years are right. just about to kick in. They're and here. by the yeah. way, Stefan Diggs contract i mean there's no way out from under that realistically unless you can tell me something that i am misinterpreting about that deal i mean they are locked into stefan diggs and not just in 24 they they got 14 for at least the next couple of years right and and, and an insane dollar value they could take him and trade him post june one but they're going to still eat a bunch of cap there's, and, and they're not going to get a huge – I mean, they're not going to get a first-round pick for him. They're probably going to get a second-round pick for him. The biggest problem right there they got is Von Miller's a hood ornament, and he's on the books for $24 million next year. They are – look, they're leveraged out at this point. It yeah. is what it is. They went all in, and let's be real. They didn't even get close. The last three years they've lost in divisional round. The year before that, they got absolutely boat raced in Kansas City in the AFC title game. They've not been close. The closest they were, the best shot they had was that 13 seconds game. That was the best shot they had. And they lost. And I I just think now, like, there's all these conversations about what is Allen's legacy. Look, I don't know what his legacy is right now. He's 27, 28 years old. I mean, he's got maybe a decade left to write his legacy. But what is it right now? His legacy right now is he's Philip Rivers. That's That's he's he's Matthew Stafford before the Rams. That's what he is right now. He's a guy who wins a lot of regular season games. And puts up a lot of numbers. I mean, you want to go back further than that? He's what Warren Moon. Warren Moon was awesome. Warren Here, Moon let's was let's make let's work backwards with that. Yes, 
Josh Allen, I did think was heroic. And I do think uncorking that 70 yard ball that hits Stefan Diggs in the hands needs to be caught. And, um, you know, there, there, there are some 17 base plays and, and, you know, Tony Romo, I, you know, I, as a side note, I'm not sure exactly what happened to the Tony Romo who was on the mic when he first not got good. going those first couple of years, when he was calling out what was about to happen, no matter who he was looking at. Okay. Now his misery, he, he he pronounced about 293 times in the first half that James Cook is the X factor, and this is why the Bills can go to the Super Bowl this year is because of James Cook. My pushback on that is, no, no, James Cook was a regular season innings eater until the playoffs arrived, at which point the games were critical enough that then they finally say to Josh Allen, now you can run it well. But James Cook, we don't want, he's there to take the, the physical beating that you've been taking, Josh. We want you as as right as possible come January. It still didn't make a difference. And I can let him off the hook to the extent that if you were in the AFC during the Tom Brady years, well, there was probably a ceiling on how many Super Bowls you were going to go to. And that same goes for if you were in a conference with Peyton Manning. And guess what? They were in the conference together. And guess what? So was Ben Roethlisberger. So there really was very little oxygen left for any other quarterback when you shared it with this. But I mean, we're in the quarterback league and the same still is true, at least on the AFC side. It's a tale of two realities. And it's striking to me I don't think, you know, it's all of the delusion. Being a fan uh, of a team requires a certain delusion. You have to achieve a different level of delusion, though, to think that your team has a perennial shot at getting to the Super Bowl, so long as the conference includes Mahomes and Allen and Herbert's probably going to get better by, uh, you know, and that situation is going to get fixed up a little bit in L.A. with the Chargers a little bit and Lamar Jackson on down. And I know that's grim. I last week did um, with Daniel Jeremiah, we did the optimism episode. You know, most teams are not vying for the Lombardi at this point. Now, even fewer are. So it was time to give a little sunshine. The the quarterbacks in the college pipeline and free agency and how things could look better by September 24. Now it's the reality episode. You and me, Verderam, a pessimism episode, if you will. You really have no shot. You have to pull, as Daniel Jeremiah put it, a, a, a an inside straight to get yeah. to a Super Bowl once a decade or thereabouts to do what Flacco and the Ravens did now 11 years ago. Is that fair? I know that's a grim thought, yeah. but it's the reality, yeah. isn't it? I mean, it's sad to say, if you don't have one of those five or six QBs, good luck. You ain't going to no Super Bowl. Quite honestly, if you're in the AFC, if you don't have Patrick Mahomes, you're probably not going to get to make a Super Bowl. I mean, they... They've never been in the AFC title game six years in a row. You're basically playing out the season to find out if you get the right to play them in the AFC title game. I mean, that's what it is. And it's more than that, though, too. Like, Brett Beach has done an incredible job drafting that team. They have so many guys the last two, three years. That's what's, kept, gonna, them, that's what's kept them relevant, I think, is the last couple I mean, look, of years is what they win the draft. Chamari Connor was the best defensive player on the Chiefs last night. He was a fourth-round rookie. They, they, they barely used him because there's so many other guys in front of him. But all year I've talked to people in that building, but like, this kid's really good. And then on offense, not that they had a huge night last night, but Rasheed Rice has been great down the stretch. Second-round pick. Their first-round pick, they're so good up front, he was inactive last night. They can't even play him. There's no point. Like They, they can't get him on the field. They they have drafted very, very well. I mean, you could talk about it. Nick Bolton, Freed Humphrey, Jerry Snead, Trent McDuffie. I mean, on and on and on. Isaiah Pacheco. That's what they've done. And when you draft like that, 
you can pay Mahomes 50 million a year, 55 million a year. That's right. You know, and so right now, if you're the Bengals, if you're the Bills, if you're the Ravens, if you're maybe the Texans in a few years here with CJ Stroud, if you're the Chargers, they can get out of their own way. You're fighting to try to play the Chiefs in the AFC title game until proven otherwise. And that's what happened with New England for 20 years, where New England was just, they were going to be there. Could you beat them in the AFC title game? Of course, some teams could. The Ravens did a few times, but like it's right now, if you're Buffalo, we could sit here and pump all the sunshine we want. They got a cap situation from hell. They're, they're going to lose a lot of guys in free agency this year. I don't know that McDermott's going to figure this thing out. I mean, they, they haven't gotten any better. And I think at some point, you got to be realistic. They've played the Chiefs three out of the last four years, and the players lost every time. And this year, the Chiefs have been a tire fire on offense for most of the season. You get them in your building, and you still can't beat them. First What's of good? all, what kind of what kind of crazy risky grift were those pass catchers from KC practicing all through the regular season, pretending they didn't know how to catch? That was a, a that was a dangerous game they were playing. Like we think we'll get into the playoffs doing it this way, but then we'll we'll remind everybody. Oh yeah, actually we do know how to catch. We were just dogging it all season long. Very weird stuff. I I do think yeah. I mean, so are we in agreement then? Severe as it is, sorry, Bills fans, and I say this all the time. My dream Final Four, if my team isn't in it, is all the have-nots going head-to-head. I wish we could get Browns going uh, against the Bills and the Vikings going against the Lions and whoever gets to that Super Bowl. Um, one of those teams, by definition, almost has to win. I don't know unless they just n- neither team ever scores and it just keeps going um, zero zero forever. But um, I do want that. So I'm not trying to pile on here, Bills fans. But the 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 sad thing is, from some perspective, is I hate when a great performance is wasted that you're never going to get back. I lament the Steelers Super Bowl 30 performance against the high end. Aikman, Emmett, Michael Irvin, Cowboys, um, because it wasted one of the great defensive efforts that you'll ever see. That that Cowboys offense was unstoppable, it, either through the air or on the ground. Take one away, and then the other one was going to get you. Not after the first quarter against uh, against the Steelers, and yet it amounted to nothing. Same goes for Buffalo for the Buffalo Bills. Allen is a great and exciting and heroic gunslinger, but how many times are you going to get him not turning the ball over? I mean, he played a pretty clean game, and it still didn't make a difference. At home, they lost that game. I mean, I think sometimes it's like still Oakland's razor, right? Like the most obvious answer is the answer. The Bills aren't as good as the Chiefs. They're just not as good as them. I mean, I, I agree with that. And I, I think, and look, I think sometimes – because we're in the industry we're in, you got it. You got to try to look for an angle, find an angle, try to find the new truth, a different truth, whatever maybe. Sometimes it gets overcomplicated. They're not as good. They're not as good as Kansas City is. Kansas City, even when Buffalo's healthy, they have a better defensive team than than, than the Bills. The Chiefs, the, I think the Chiefs and the Ravens this weekend. My God, that's going to be a race to seventeen points. I don't think anybody's going to score in that game. They're number one and two defensively in, in almost everything this year. But I look at the Bills. Yes. Allen's great. He's not Mahomes. McDermott's a good coach. He's not Andy Reid. Like, defensively speaking, is there anybody on Buffalo better than Chris Jones? No. Do they have a corner as good as Trent McDuffie or Legereus Sneed? No. You know, I mean, it's, yeah, the Bills certainly have some advantages, but overall, and by the way, one other one, Tyler Bass isn't as good as Harrison Butker. It mattered last night. Butker had a 47-yard kick into the wind. Bass hooked one right with the wind at his back. Like, 
sometimes it's just, it is what it is. They're not as good. They're not good enough. Like they're going to have to come out. I thought in the 13 seconds game, the Bills played the best game they possibly could have played. They still lost to them. And last night, even with the injuries, I mean, Buffalo, look, Buffalo did everything you could want to do in that game. They ran for 182 yards. They controlled the ball for 37 minutes. They won the time of possession. They're 50% on third down. Still lost. It's, they're not good enough. They're not good enough to beat them. Here's, yeah, well, I agree with your evaluation of the Bills v. Chiefs, but I was underwhelmed by the Chiefs. I had, for the record, I had uh, the the Chiefs plus the six and a half, whatever, wherever it kicked off because I made my pick a couple of days before. Um, I, ha- I, I was on the Chiefs, but I thought the Bills would survive the game and, and take it because I thought this wasn't a, a, a sterling addition of KC. Um, and I thought maybe the home field might be the difference for Josh Allen, the way things were tracking there. Um, but, you know, the the it's not apologizing for Josh Allen or making excuses for him. But the people in his corner will say w- would say you can't really take Josh Allen to task because the game it, it's hard on any level to put it on his shoulders. And I think that's kind of fair. But in the quarterback league and when you're getting paid the way you are. Fair or otherwise, and like I always talk about, the math people who are looking at the advanced analytics will tell you about context and the sample size is too small. And this is why you can't look at individual games because these are these are one off moments. But guess what? This isn't a math equation. It is an entertainment with cliffhangers every week. And you don't know the conclusion of those. This is real life playing out in front of our eyes. And fair or otherwise, when Tyler Bass misses that kick, that may be, you may be watching your entire Super Bowl opportunity of an entire generation, an entire Hall of Fame level quarterback's career sail wide right when it happens. That's why it's exciting. I'm not sure exactly why. I guess it's to be right statistically, mathematically, or otherwise. People try to knock that down? Is it empathy that they feel bad for the Bills? They feel bad for Bass, and so they don't want the poor human being to have to shoulder the pain of that. But, you know, like I said last week, fair or not, I think you can say, or or hurtful or not, I think it's kind of fair in a football sense to say Dak Prescott choked the game away last week in a tough spot. He had to carry the day. He didn't. He added fuel to the fire. And I, I, you know, I, I think that this drama is the greatest. And the only thing that's diminishing it is a decent percentage of sports media members these days saying like, ah, it doesn't matter you know, when you're judging him on on that one series. Come on. There are bigger things. No, there's nothing bigger. That's why they give away the Lombardi trophy and only the one Lombardi trophy. They don't give out multiple ones and they don't give out zero. And they say, ah, we don't know this year. Let's carry it over to next year. Every year ends with that. That chase makes it to to get that trophy. That, by definition, makes it everything to the football players chasing it. Right? I I just like see. I I will push back on this idea. Allen can get some pass for this game. Allen three times in the fourth quarter with the ball down a field goal. Go win the game. I don't want to hear it. You know what? And it only annoys me honestly. If that was the other way around, and Mahomes was stopped three straight times. There'd be all this like, well, you know, Mahomes had the ball. He had an opportunity. He just couldn't find it. Why, why does it's the same thing? Why does Allen get away with that? It's the same thing with Herbert all these years. Well, you know, you can't blame Herbert. Yeah, I can. I can't actually blame Justin Herbert. 
He's paid a fortune. Take the ball down the field and do something with it. Now, I don't blame the guy if he does something with the ball and the defense gives it up. That's one thing. But when you have the ball in your hands and you throw a game-ending pick, yeah, it's kind of on you, man. Like, you're paid to be the guy. The reason nobody goes to the left guard is because the left guard's getting paid a 50th of what you're making. Like, that's right. you have the ball in your hands every play. And I'm not sitting here saying Allen's the biggest reason they lost that game. That would be stupid. He wasn't the biggest reason they lost that game. But you know what? You're in your building against the defense, by the way, that by the end of last night was missing multiple starters as well. Like, go do something with it. Go drive the ball down the thing. Yes, Diggs drops a pass. I get it. Allen also had Shakir wide open in the end zone. And I get Chris Jones got a little pressure. You know what, man? Like, in my opinion, that ball's got to be there. That's a touchdown. He's wide open. You talk about a legacy throw. That's the legacy throw that puts you into the title game. Uh, And we're talking about the Bills right now. I mean, we're talking like last year, Mahomes won a Super Bowl on, on one leg. I don't want to hear about this. Some guy dropped one ball for Josh Allen. I could go win it. Go in the game. Go go do it. You know, Burrow, Burrow spent most of the season on his back a couple of years ago, and they got to the Super Bowl. They found a way to do it. So, like, at some point here, I'm sick and tired of everybody's always, well, it's not Josh Allen's fault. It's not Josh Allen's fault. Okay, yeah, he's not the main culprit, but he didn't win him the game last night either, and that's his job. His job right. isn't to not lose it. It's to win the game. Go win the game. And he didn't do it. He had three shots at his own house and he couldn't do it. That's right. And I think that that's why the pain is worse if you're a Bills fan versus one of the have not teams in the AFC, meaning you don't know that you have the man at the most important position. You do think you have that guy in Josh Allen and it still hasn't uh, added up to much more than a little bit, a divisional round and wild card hay over the course of what is his prime years to make a Super Bowl run. It does fall off after year six from year seven to 14 12 total Super Bowl appearances by quarterbacks in those seasons. Seasons two through six, 26 appearances by the quarterbacks. The sweet spot is inarguably not just being the actual franchise QB, but doing it between years two and six. Steep cliff after that. Lamar Jackson right on the edge of all that, too. Who's the pressure on in this game? It's weird to say that it isn't the guy playing for the title of GOAT. You know, Patrick Mahomes wins this one, gets to four Lombardies with a victory in Baltimore and then in Vegas, four Super Bowls at this stage in his career. That buzz will will really get on track. It will be Mahomes is the greatest, especially given all the buzz about this isn't a great Chiefs team and all of that noise. The pressure is on squarely on the home team here, right? Yes. No, I don't think there's any question. I mean, for Lamar Jackson, like this, you want to talk about a legacy game. I mean, this this is uh, about as big a legacy game as it gets, except, of course, they get to the Super Bowl. You know, in the NFL, like, we care how many Super Bowls if you're a quarterback. How many did you get to? I mean, people people care about that. Now, it's, it's not as important as how many you won, but, like, it matters that you go. It matters that you're in that game. Mahomes has been to three of them. He's won two of them. I mean, Mahomes could retire tonight, and he's the first ballot Hall of Famer. I don't think well, anybody— I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll give you—you know, to make that point, I always use these examples. Would you rather have had Eli Manning's career or Dan Marino's career? I'd love to hear what Dan Marino's sincere hooked-up-to-a-lie-detector answer is to that. All the ego, greatest gunslinger of all time. I still think he'd rather have a couple of Lombardis versus zero. 
play to win. I mean, I, like I, there's no question for Lamar and the Ravens are they're more. Is the Chiefs lose this game? I mean, it's disappointing to the Chiefs, but like, okay. I mean, you've got the six well, to eight title games. Yeah, and by the way, fair or not, again, Jim Kelly holds a uh, a profile in the history of pro football that to me feels higher up there than Warren Moon's and Tony Romo's. And why yeah. is that? Why Where why is that? Why is Fran Tarkenton? I mean, I guess he's a stats machine too. That's a bad example. But you you you, you take my point. Obviously, yeah. if you're in Super Bowls with a fair amount of regularity, it's almost besides the point that the Cowboys, when you really look at it, like, oh, all those Super Bowls with Roger Staubach and they only got those couple. It kind of is neither here nor there if you're playing with the big boys. Yeah, getting to the big game is on some level more important, except for when you lose it in the 21st century, it is basically going to ruin any chances of you have of getting to the Super Bowl the following season. We've seen that play out again and again and again and again. Look at the Philadelphia Eagles this season. Don't go to the Super Bowl and lose it if you want to win the Super Bowl the following year is the, is the message there. Let me squeeze in a quick break here. You know, when the conversation turns stampers, I always go with my number one as Caesars. Let's talk about them a little bit, shall we? Tickets to the game, merch, meals at iconic restaurants, stays at Caesars Palace. All this can be yours when you bet with Caesars Sportsbook. Win or lose every Every bet earns rewards credits, which you can redeem across the empire. Now, if you haven't started yet, register using this code. Listen up. Omaha full. The word Omaha and the word full. And then you place your first bet up to $1,250. If you win, great. If you keep those winnings, but if you lose, you'll get your stake back as a bonus bet. 21 and over only. Offer valid and must be physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Kansas, Louisiana, Massachusetts, Maryland, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming. New users and first $10 plus wager only. Must register with eligible promo code. Bet amount of qualifying wager. Returned only if wager is settled as a loss. Maximum bonus bet, $1,250. Bonus bet expires 14 days after receipt. Tier credits and reward credits will be added to account within seven days after qualifying wager settles see caesars.com slash promos for full terms void where prohibited know when to stop before you start gambling problem arizona call 1-800 next step colorado wyoming kansas affiliated with kansas crossing casino call 1-800-522-4700 indiana call 1-800-9 with it iowa call 1-800 bets off louisiana call 1-877-770 stop licensed through horseshoe bossier city and harris new orleans massachusetts call 1-800-327-5050 or visit gamblinghelplinema.org. Michigan, call 1-800-270-7117. Illinois, Maryland, New Jersey, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, Ohio, Pennsylvania, affiliated with Harris, Philadelphia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER or West Virginia, 1-800-GAMBLER.net. New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. 
How about businesses on Shopify? Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Let's uh, put you on the spot here. Who do you have? Chiefs at Ravens at the time of this recording. Baltimore Laven- lands three and a half. How say you here, Verderam? I think the Ravens are the better team, but I'm not picking against Mahomes. Not going to do it. I'm just not. I've seen the guy in these games. Like the Ravens are the number one ranked defense in the NFL. Mahomes in his career averages more than 30 points a game against number one defense. It just kills him. Kills him. Does it every time. Andy, um, Andy Reid, he's 5-0 and in the playoffs against his former assistants. Harbaugh's a former assistant. Look, I think the Ravens are the better football team. I do. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if they win the game. I will tell you this. I think whoever wins this game is win the Super Bowl. That I feel. Mm. Wow. I feel whoever wins this game is going to win the Super Bowl. Because if you're – I, I got to tell you, the Ravens, I think, physically can handle the 49ers. And if you want to give Steve Spagnuolo two weeks to get ready for Brock Purdy, good luck. I I, I think the Chiefs or the Ravens will win the Super Bowl. I think whoever comes out of this game, unless there's like massive injuries. But if they're healthy, I think they win. Um I think the Chiefs are going to find a way. I do. I, I think the Ravens are better. And if the Ravens play their absolute best game, they probably win. But it's one of those things, because of the defenses, I think it's going to be a very low-scoring tight game. And if it's that, and Mahomes has one shot to win the game, I think he's going to win it. He just does. So I I will take them. I Probably is an unpopular pick this week. But it's kind of like picking against Brady and the Pats all those years. At some point, all the matchup stuff goes out the window, and you're like, look, man, I'm not picking against them. That's where I'm at with this game. Kind of, yes. You're trying to will something into being the reality, and that's exactly right. You want to talk your way around the inevitability of the Chiefs, and just like you did with Brady's Patriots and everything else. But the fact of the matter is, even though it doesn't feel exactly fair, they're the defending champs. They have Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid. You are the one saddled with the curse of supposed to Baltimore Ravens, and especially you, number eight, the MVP, Lamar Jackson. You need to win this game, or like we keep saying, your chances of making a Super Bowl run in 2024 and beyond go down significantly. So the matter is at hand right now, no matter if people want to diminish the pressure on you. I know that, like I keep saying, the stats people want to make it like it's not the end of the world. Lamar Jackson's still great. Yeah, he is. He, he still will be great. But his place in NFL lore goes down. And the the weird, like, you know who doesn't agree with 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 the analytics people? The quarterbacks themselves. In the moment, if you ask them about the legacy, they'll try to diminish it. Oh, that's a media creation thing. But as you said at the top there, oh, once they retire and they're looking back at their career, the Lombardi count and all of that is everything to them. Where does my team stand? Where do I stand? That's everything to them. They're competitors after all. Of course they care where they stand and they they know deep down that they have to win these games. And if they don't, it is a black mark on, even if it's a Hall of Fame career, it's still a black mark on their career. And by the way, it does impact whether or not you get that gold jacket. I don't think Phil Rivers is going to get one. I think well, Eli I is going to get one. I was literally just going to say Philip Rivers. Like right now, look, you know the history as well as I do. Like, what is Philip Rivers' signature moment? If you're putting together a reel to get him in the Hall of Fame, what is the what is the 
final image you're showing? I, for me, it's limping out there when he had no business being on the field. I agree. For that, that that's title what it game. is. Which is, is courageous, but like, who cares? They lost. I mean, no, like, nobody, and he never got back. He never got back to the AFC title game. You know, I think Warren Moon is one of the most underrated players in NFL history. He was a phenomenal quarterback. And you know who never comes up when you talk about the greatest players of all time? Warren Moon. That's right. Because they never got anywhere. They never did anything. They never even got to a conference title game. Right? I mean, Warren Moon was every bit in that class of John Elway and Jim Kelly and Dan Marino and all those great quarterbacks, right? He didn't win. He didn't win. I mean, that That's reality. I mean, at least even Marino, as much as he didn't win, you could say, I got to a Super Bowl. But even Marino, when you talk about the great quarterbacks of all time, you talk about Brady, you talk about Montana, you talk about Bradshaw won four Super Bowls, you talk about Manning, who went to four and one, two. But even Manning, you kind of sit there and go, yeah, but. Yeah, but because the one he got carried to, right? So you're like, yeah, I mean, it matters. Montana, 4 0 in the Super Bowl, never threw a pick in one of them. It matters. And, you know, and, and then people say, well, what about Lewis Billups? Yes, those inflection points determine who it? you are. That's right. I, I, again, I know I keep saying it, but like Will Money under the tree talking to the young kid who was uh, who was uh, a fraudulent assassin. We're talking about gunslingers and assassins in a pigskin sense. And life and death is all about the playoffs and living on for next week and everything else. Fair's got nothing to do with it. You know, if you're in the mix and you are the quarterback in the quarterback league, you have to win or your place in history is not going to be as bright as it otherwise could be. And, and and you can like that or you can think that's unfair or you think that's lame or the sample size is too small. That's the reality. On the other side of things, and that's because we're talking about Josh Allen, who's in MVP conversations and w- who's the best quarterback, even in the age of Mahomes, people will still try to stick Josh Allen's name in there and all of that. Nobody's doing that with Baker Mayfield, Jared Goff. There was some buzz for that Jalen Hurts. And Brock Purdy. It is funny, like I say, it's all on the AFC side where you better have one of those QBs. On the NFC side, it's much more about the coordinators um, coaching those guys up and everything. I still think great run by the Buccaneers and all of oh, that. Yeah. They, you know, they they were not saddled with supposed to. It is funny to me that the Mister Irrelevant QB now, after failing in that title game a year ago in Philly or getting hurt in that one. Now, weirdly, is the guy who's wearing the curse of Sposta as Jared Goff and the Lions come to town. The number one overall pick, Jared Goff's team, is heading out to San Francisco to play Brock Purdy, and Purdy has a world of pressure on him. How say you? Yeah, it's a really interesting game. Look, the Niners are better, but, you know, look, (laughs) Purdy was a wreck in that game against Green Bay. And and I know it was rain everything else, but, like, it's rain. I mean – the games are played outdoors sometimes and it does rain occasionally. And I, I mean, I, I couldn't believe people walking away from that Packers Niners game being like, well, Brock Purdy, you know, the way you play, like, are you kidding me? Brock Purdy was atrocious for three and a half quarters. I mean, even the game winning drive, he made a couple of throws. My God, it was like dang incredible. It was the Lions are going to have a shot to win the game. The biggest thing with the Lions, they gave up more air yards than anybody in the NFL this year. Can they keep the top on that defense, force Purdy to drive down the field, get a little pressure on him? And then offensively, look, I think that the Lions could scheme up some things. You know, the Niners, if you can block them, you can do some stuff against them. But you know, you've got to be able to block, and the linebackers are very good. I mean, they, but I think the Lions can win on the outside. Um, the biggest thing is we all know with Goff, you got to keep him clean. 
if you can keep golf clean, if you can keep him in rhythm, he can play really well. And he knows the Niners. He played him for a long time with McVay and the Rams. So I think it's a very good game. I think the Niners hmm. will win the game, but I, I think the Lions are going to be within a score. I think they'll cover the number. I, I, you know, I'm with you on the Lions offense against the Niners D that they can make some hay on the ground on them too. I think that, uh, that the wheels that the Lions have are for real. I'm looking at the Niners winning this one by double digits though. I'm more concerned on the AFC side of things, but I'm going to stick with the chalk here again. The other unfun observation, but is pretty clear is the teams with the buys get to the Super Bowl. I'm going to go with the rate. I, I, I absolutely hear you though, the, on this, uh, I, I, the new role that just works so well for every athlete to be like, no one believes in us. People believe in you, Patrick Mahomes. I mean, it's cut the, cut the crap, but it does this. We're on the road this year and we have to pull together and we're not in front of the home crowd and everything else. It does feel like it's working for them. I don't know why grownups are so easily susceptible, so seduced by this idea from a head coach or otherwise. No one believes in us. Like, how can you sell that to 25 year olds? And yet it always works. Um, it, it, it really, I mean, it worked uh, for Mahomes there. Um, what about though? Uh, so, oh, so, so you're going to go. Lion, you're you're gonna take the Lions plus the seven. Is that what yeah, I'm hearing? I would, I would take the Lions to cover. I'll take the Chiefs money line, the Lions to cover, but the Niners to win. So I I so who do you what your Super Bowl is what Baltimore, San Francisco? I'm just gonna stick with what I've been saying for the last couple of months. I mean, I I think and, and the thing I'm gonna end up going against is the Niners beating the Ravens, which makes no sense based on what I've talked about for um, the last three years, which is the head-to-heads tell you exactly what's going to happen going forward. And the Ravens, as you know, shamed the Niners, um, uh, what, six weeks or so ago, maybe even less than that. But I am going to go with the Niners there. But yeah. um, All right. Talk about now. I want to hear from you. Great stuff, obviously. And uh, Eddie Spaghetti producer behind the glass there, of course, is a huge fan of your refereeing updates every week. That's something we talk about on Minus 3 all the time is how bad the officiating is. Make sure you track down. You update this every week and what changes. Actually, why don't you sprinkle in a little optimism? What changes might, uh, what rules might change between now and the start of next season? Well, you know, so it's it's not even so much a weekly column as much as I've, I have done a lot of pieces to share on the officiating because I feel like it's warranted that. I've talked to It Dean feels Dunn. like you're updating it every week, though. But OK, go yeah, ahead. I, pretty, I, I also feel like I'm updating it every week. But, yeah, it's um, no, thank you. Yeah, I talked to Dean Blandino and I talked to some league sources and basically I asked him, like, look, what what is most frustrating to you uh, in talking to coordinators, stuff like that, GMs? What is most frustrating to you about the officiating? And I was just told repeatedly, it is the consistency. They do not have any consistency, play to play, drive to drive game. To That's game. what I say all the time. It's the lack of consistency. Yes, everybody always goes. The excuse that people always make for the referees is, well, they make that call 100% of the time. No, that's no. exactly the problem. They don't make any call 100% of the time. Of so, course, they miss it all the time. Talking to Blandino and talking to league sources, my understanding is that the Head of officiating, the kind of the overseer of officiating the NFL, that job is going to change hands this offseason. So where where it goes is unclear right now, but that's going to change. I think there's also conversations about does there need to be more training? Does there need to be uh, more emphasis put on this? Most people seem to think, um, I shouldn't say most, but I feel like it's pretty split on like whether or not the officials need to be full time. I think people in the league will tell you, like like coaches and, and GMs, yeah. 
And then on the officiating side, it's more like, well, maybe not full time, but maybe they need to be uh, given a little bit more hands on uh, work throughout the offseason. But, you know, there's a CBA for the officials, too. And the officials are not even allowed to be spoken to until the middle of May after the Super Bowl ends. And if they are spoken to, it has to be some collectively bargained thing where they're paid for it. So I think there's just talk about that. But right now, I think the main thing is this offseason is going to be, you know, the tush push thing. That'll always be revisited. Um, You know, the sky judge is something that a lot of people in the NFL want, but the league has not gone to yet. We'll see if that gets revisited. Uh, The touchback rule, which came into play last night, God knows that'll be revisited. It is every year. Um, I think those are the the big uh, the big ones. Dave's big one is every year that no, nobody has a good answer for is it doesn't solve the things people complain about is. But in a league that is predisposed to favoring offense, it's weird that holding offensive holding is still ten yards. It's the only I guess there's like one or two other ten yard penalties available, but rarely get called. Why is it ten yards? Shouldn't it just be a five yard thing? It's so damning to your drive when you have to move back ten yards and everything else. Um, I would, I would modify that. I'd make it a five yard penalty like any other, um, you know, rando offensive penalty is it's not a personal foul. Um, what is foul is the potential demise of sports illustrated. Um, I like, uh, you know, pretty much any other sports fan at some point or the other, uh, you know, has leaned on SI what's, uh, so what's your sense of things there? You know, I mean, between, you and uh, Craig Ellenport and Bird Breer and Michael Fabiano and all our other pod, Jen Piacenti and everybody else, our pals over there over the years, um, rooting for the individuals there. But also, what's your what's your sense of this as you know the iconic weekly yeah. Um, sports magazine? Yeah, look, I think it's um it's a really complicated thing, and it's hard to explain to people who aren't familiar with the industry or even familiar with the situation. But essentially what it, what it is, so ABG, Authentic Brands Group, they own Sports Illustrated. They bought it years ago. They own it. Um, and they license out Sports Illustrated for like I, I, I X amount of million per year, you know, whatever the fee is. And so the Arena Group, which is technically who signs my paychecks, they are the ones who have been paying that license. And so by having the license, they're able to publish the magazine and they're able to publish the website and they, they pay the employees and everything else. What happened was essentially uh, last Thursday, the arena group did not pay its next payment on the licensing. And so the license was revoked. In terms of the agreement, arena can still publish for 90 days under the SI name. Unfortunately, over 100 people got laid off effective immediately last weekend or last week, I should say. I was not one of those people. I am still there. I'm still at the company. I at least have a job for that 90 day period. Now, if arena renegotiates the the license, which they're currently trying to do, and everything works out, then it goes forward as is, and the reader won't notice anything different at all. Um, Same people, same product, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. However, there's a world where ABG, who owns Sports Illustrated, might, let's just say, what uh, the, the Washington Post decides, hey, we'll do it. At that point, there's a very good chance that I would be fired by the arena group at the same time I'm hired by the new owner. The new licensee. So we could all move over, kind of like how the athletic went to the New York Times. Yeah. Similar to that idea, right? So I think it's going to work out in the sense that 
for business, it's a really bad idea to let a company that is worth that much go dark. I mean, Sports Illustrated does make money. Like that is the one fallacy out there. I've, I've read a lot of places. Well, they're losing money left right. No, they're not. But Arena might be losing some money because they're paying so much on the license. So they're trying to drive the license cost down. So then that that kind of offsets. It's a tragedy that so many people have lost their jobs. A lot of really good people over there lost their jobs. I also recognize it in this industry. People lose their jobs. It is just what it is. It is brutal. It is unfortunate. It is reality. Um, and so, look, I think in the end, I do think Sports Illustrated will survive. There was some reporting that like, oh, this is it. Sh-. That That's not true. That's Sports Illustrated is, I don't want to say alive and well, but it's alive. And I think it will be well again. Um, it's hard in this industry when you go from being a magazine to now you're going to digital and you're trying to live in both spaces. And they've got to find the right balance with that. And I think they've done a, a better job. Um, that being said, with all the frustration of it, I mean, being published in Sports Illustrated was a lifetime ambition. I am not upset at all that I went there, that I am there. I hope to be there for many more years. Uh, we're all just kind of in limbo right now. But I hope it works out, and I believe it will. Well, rooting for you, all the names I mentioned. I know my guy Neil Kulong's gonna land somewhere good. It's yeah. just is it's a shame, um, you know, that 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 brand um is suffering, but we hope everything comes through. And in part because of uh, the great piece upcoming you um that you've put together there that runs again in print at the end of this week. You can look for it, and then in the digital space at the start of next week, 10 teams every day. For five days, is that how it'll it'll roll yep, out there? It'll roll fifty to forty-one, and then forty to thirty-one, and on and on, Monday through Friday. Um, it is over twenty-five thousand words, and in the magazine, it's chopped down significantly because it would be the entire magazine. But it is a sixteen-page spread in Sports Illustrated, and it is one of the biggest spreads I've ever done in the history of the company. So, thank you to you, all the panelists, everybody who worked on it. God knows all those poor editors. Um, I am I am really looking forward to it. I'm I'm proud of it. I'll, I'll tell you, I am too. It was really a fun thing to consider, and the you know what what um, the standards were for what counts as influential, and you know what what the other uh, the other we're going to do another project. We're going to do another project next year for all still here. I mean, I already know the topic. I mean, I've already sit down, sat down, done all the legwork. So God, I mean, they want to turn it into a franchise, but you know. I got to still be there to make it a franchise. So we'll see what happens. Verderam Illustrated. Maybe that'll be the, the new brand come right. 2025. We'll see. But in the meantime, uh, thanks for all the time. And and last thing that just occurred to me that uh, when you were talking about the officials, what would be the downside? Because to me, it's so clean. Like I always say, me and and Kevin Hench, could you could make us the replay review guys and it would be airtight we would get all the calls right and it would be done in a fraction of the time it takes for them to go under the hood and wire into new york and debate and ponder and all that crap like as soon as i see the first replay i'm like well clearly he's down or clearly the ball's out or whatever the call is and i'm always right um and uh um what would be the downside to having Sterator and uh and his peers Pereira and perry like if that's it and get them off of network TV and the NFL instead pays them the loot. And we wire into, into the three wise men in New York or otherwise. And we just say like, Hey, three guys, what, what was it? Cause they always know the answer. They always have the answer right away. Like, Oh, that's to me, that's not PI. Like they always have the answer immediately. 
um, right. on their finger. So why why not do that? What would be, why couldn't you do that? Just make it those three guys. Because the NFL doesn't want to pay them. They make really? a lot of money from networks. I mean, really? That, it's that it's that simple. It just seems like every um, America would go gaga. Football America, if we, it were announced, like, hey, the guy in charge of those uh, those reviews now is Gene Steratore. It'd be like, oh, all right, we're in good hands. Take it over, Gene. Right? I mean, be that simple. The NFL won't make officials full time. They don't want to pay benefits. <laughs> so you're talking about like they don't want to do it. They don't want to do it. I. I will say though, and I and, and talking to people around the league, I think there is a consensus on this. It's got to get better. You've got too many people gambling. You've got too much money invested, you know, from the average fan now. It's got to get better. I mean, I don't think it's ever going to be perfect. And that's the one thing I think people have to understand. Look, they're still humans. Okay. But like it, it, this year in particular has gotten no, I never wrote about the officials for a share. I've probably written six pieces on it. I mean, it's gotten to a juncture where it's like, come on, man. I mean, you got to. You gotta do something. I mean, you can't you can't watch these games. It's a blown call after blown call. Thank God, at least in the Kansas City Buffalo game last night, there wasn't a blown call that cost somebody the game. It's true. But well, that Miko Hardman one is real close, and Bills fans who are devastated right now maybe would do well to remember. Like that was a fluky play anyway, and the game would have been over if Hardman gets in the end zone, and then all the drama and sadness over Bass and everything is uh, is a moot point. Um. Yeah, I, I listen. I, of course, they're human beings, but there's not, you know, it's not like when people are like, hey, just like the players. Yeah, when a player drops a pass, they're not like, redo, redo. Let's see if he can catch it with a second try. There is a fail safe for the referees. It's the it's the replay review, and yet they still keep getting things wrong. That That's, you know, you could let a referee off the hook in 1984. You can't let him off the hook in 2024 when, when we have the video evidence yeah. to disprove what they're saying. Anyhow, listen. Verderam, you're dynamite. We talked to you right at the front edge of football season. Now we're talking to you just before it wraps up. We appreciate the time. You're as good as it gets. So we hope and uh, and trust that everything's going to work out for you. And if not, like you say, you'll be the hottest free agent on the market. This side of Kirk Cousins, if it doesn't work out there. And we can't wait to see the piece coming out uh, later this week. We appreciate you involving it, uh, uh, us in it. And uh, let's uh, talk sooner rather than later, shall we? You got it. Take care. Thanks for having me. There he goes. The great Matt Verderam, everybody. And make sure you're tracking him down on social media at the same name. I'll spell the last name for you. It's a little tricky. V-E-R-D-E-R-A-M-E. I have to think about that for a second because I'm a dumb guy. And now a quick break. Now let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up hypnotic and cognac weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely.
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, there he goes. And by the way, go and listen to me on the Adam Carolla show available on Monday. Also go back and look at the 15 minute show. We appreciate you checking that out every week. It's been doing gangbusters numbers for us. Eddie Spaghetti, the NFL pregame show. Now we only have two games to talk about this coming week. So we're going to have to, I think we also give out a couple more Shecky awards on the divisional round 15 minute episode. I handed out the Shecky award for fruit of the year um, for the title game weekend. I don't know. Let's give out the Sonic award for the sports town sure. that suffered the most. I think we should do that. Maybe we could do the, the uh, best movie I watched in 2023. Um, we'll, we'll try to settle that hash. And by the way, programming note, we do intend to keep doing some version of the 15-minute pregame show. Obviously, there won't be football, so we'll turn our gaze to hockey and basketball and baseball and all the rest of it. Maybe we need a new name for it, though. 15-minute weekender, something like that, Eddie Spaghetti. We need a, a snappy name for it. But what do you think of the uh, – oh, I went 5-1 and one with our picks uh, uh, on the 15-minute show. The only thing I missed was the under on the Chiefs and Bills. And even that, my prediction was – specifically 24-20 Bills, and at one point late in the third quarter, it was, in fact, Bills 24-20. If you would have stopped there, it would have had a perfect divisional round week. Still pretty good. How was your uh, divisional round weekend? Um, I did not have a, a, as many good picks as you. I think I only got, uh, the Niners did not win by nine, so I lost out on that. Um, I had the Texans covering. That did not happen. I believe you were the lone wolf on the Ravens, so congrats there. Um, and then I did have the Bills winning the game so wrong there again uh i was right though on um the uh why am i playing on the, the other game that play was on yesterday oh the uh the lions game the lions bucks game and i did have the baker mayfield over rush totals which is something i've always said to keep an eye out on those like slightly mobile quarterbacks not the pure runners like lamar jackson's the great nose but um for some reason vegas sets it a little bit lower and all it takes is really one scramble so uh, I am glad, though, that this divisional round weekend, we had at least three out of the four games were close. And that Ravens-Texas game was close uh, at halftime. Then obviously yeah. people now are talking about that that Lamar Jackson halftime speech where apparently he ripped into the team and they came out and they looked great in the second half there. So a little bit better football-wise in terms of uh, being on the edge of your seat this this weekend, which is good. Um, but yeah, it is sad to, to come to an end here, uh, you know, next week with the, the final two games on Sunday. And then uh, that the corporate event that you mentioned uh, a couple of weeks from now. So it's a sad time, but, uh, you know, we'll, we'll do our best. We'll put our best content. I'm with you. I think those are great checky categories. Uh, I'm very interested to see the movies you watched. And I, I think the Sonic award this year could have some interesting twists because if I had a pick, I would actually pick a city that is successful, so to speak, but I think has suffered for other reasons. So I, I'm, I'm really excited to see what you have to mm. say about, but the, uh, the, uh, the Sonic award this year. Interesting. I look forward to that. Yeah, some feedback uh, out there for the fruit of the year. It was a message. It was uh, intended for all the world of fruit. It was an unpleasant one, but I felt like it. I, I, I basically was like Lamar Jackson in the Ravens locker room. 
I had to give him a talking to, you know, I had to give the world a fruit of talking to. And so I did. Um, what is your, cause I'm, I, I am legit fascinated. Last question for you on this episode. What's your chief emotion or well, chief, ironically, I say <laughs> about the bills right now. I was, what, what do you, what would you say is your feeling coming off that? I, I don't, Matt was quite harsh um, on, against uh, Josh Allen. I understand that, um, but it's one you know comparing him to Patrick Mahomes is unfair because Mahomes is a guy that we've talked about who's like you know the Tom Brady two and we actually should be giving Mahomes credit for his incredible career. I know there's kind of like Chiefs fatigue already, but it is incredible to see what Mahomes does. Like if we enjoy greatness as a fan, uh, a fan base of the NFL, we should be loving what he's doing. Um, but I do feel with Josh Allen, like never really having a stable run game. You could say that, you know, cook this year did have his best season, I guess, or one of the better seasons for a bills running back recently. That's true. Um, but Gabe Davis missing time and he's kind of disappears in games. Stephon Diggs really has been a ghost for the last few months. Um, Dawson Knox was banged up in this game and was hurt through throughout the season. So it's one of those things where like, he doesn't have a ton of firepower in offense defense. Obviously we listed all the injuries. They hadn't missed a ton of guys in, in this playoff game we just saw. So like what I watch Josh Allen and see what he's doing by himself when football, in my opinion, is really the most team oriented game where he's just taking over and not that Mahomes doesn't do that. And like Lamar Jackson is going to be the MVP doesn't do that. But I just feel like it's a little bit extra with him. But what, what he does with how much or how like much less he's getting from the rest of his team. So when people are like comparing him, like, oh, he's the AFC's Dak Prescott. I'm like, yeah, hold on. I would much rather have Josh Allen than most quarterbacks in the league. Like, you know, Josh, I would too. Justin Herbert's name right. was Justin Herbert's name was brought up on the show before with Matt. Like, again, give me Josh Allen 10 times out of 10 over Justin. There's actually very few quarterbacks i'd take probably just mahomes and you know honestly lamar jackson uh, up to this point has had some struggles in the playoffs and he's had struggles staying healthy i guess this year you could probably say lamar because of the mvp and we'll see how far the ravens go i probably would have taken josh allen before him too i would do almost anything to get a guy like josh allen to my team so i do feel bad that he's getting crushed but i don't really think it's it's his fault i know it's not his fault it's weird because like I, I I can get extreme in my brain as a Steelers fan. Well, the Steelers don't have one of those guys. Should they just leverage everything to try and move up in the draft to get Jane Daniels? They're probably not going to be able to elevate as high as the second overall pick. But, you know, Daniel Jeremiah says now Jane Daniels may go as high as third. So obviously you have to get way, way, way up there to get it. It's an interesting philosophical question. And two, you're not going to kick your franchise QB. The Bills are not having discussions like, should we move on from Josh Allen? I mean, he makes way too much money now and it's going to be hard for, that's obviously not a discussion they're having. He's the entire team. But from, you know, from a sense stand, from a basic sense standpoint, like there's not a great indication that Josh Allen's best days lay ahead that the Bills with Josh Allen making that level of money, that their best five years are ahead. The best five years just happened for them in all likelihood with Josh Allen as the main man on that team. And it is funny. Like I hear what you're saying that, you know, it's hard to saddle just that guy with it and everything, but it reminds me of the, um, the, uh, uh, why can't I never think of the name of the gambling, the card movie with Matt Damon, what's it called? Uh, Oh, rounders rounders. You know, it's the line in rounders. Like, you think it's coincidence that it's the same handful of guys always at the final table? I mean, all you have to do, like, I don't know 
Uh, I, think yeah, my team, you... I think my team can do it. Like, I don't know. My team has a shot against them. It's like it's every year. It's Lamar Jackson and and, and Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen. And like, yeah, I, know. I, don't, I don't I don't sign off to that, though, because, again, we were I mean, if like, let's just say, um, you know, the, the Bucks were in that game versus the Lions. If Todd Bowles called a timeout, I think the NFC is different. The NFC is different. The yeah. AFC, it is the like you got to have one of sure, those guys. The AFC agreed. Like. But like, we're also close to potentially having either Jared Goff or Brock Purdy as Super Bowl champion. So the whole like trade everything for a quarterback is, especially with how hit or miss the drafts have been lately, I do not abide by that. If I was building a team, if I was a GM, I would not do that. I would not sell yeah, boy, a quarterback. Isn't that a fascinating added wrinkle to the entire conversation that it's like, well, yeah, but we're only talking about one conference. The other conference, it's completely different. It's like the DH versus the pitchers hitting. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, you can't compare the two. They're two completely different uh, situations. Very strange. Anyhow, great episode with Verderam. Like I say, on with Corolla on Monday. I was on with the Sklar brothers at the end of last week. Great times there. Um, Eddie Spaghetti and Jen Piacenti have a waiver wire coming at you. Trendy this week with Toby Mergler. Lemon Pepper Parlay Gunnels celebrating his Chiefs, no doubt. Martin Weiss alongside him, covered in glory. Extra points with Sarah Tiana coming at you on Wednesday. I think that's all the shows. I just shouted them out. Make sure you're checking them all out. We'll be back on Thursday with Kevin Hench and then on Friday with the title game edition of the 15-minute pregame show for you. Check it all out. We appreciate you supporting us, and we'll talk to you in a couple of days. Until then, thanks so much, sports fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. <laughs>